Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Joseph Simkovic, author of How to Kiss the Universe, Ms. Aida, author, psychic, spellcaster, root worker, and witch. You can find her at mizaida.com. M-I-S-S-A-I-D-A dot com. And this episode is being sponsored by Ginger Glasser. And you can find Ginger at tarotbyginger.com. She's a tarot reader, evidential medium, and healer. And you can find her again at tarotbyginger.com. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Kathleen, Kathleen Reddy Diane and... She is the author of Before We Were Born. Thank you for coming on today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Did I say your last name correctly? Yeah, actually you did. Most people don't. It's Diane, yeah. Huh. I got lucky on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm reading a description about your book about past lives and soul groups and reincarnation and and. and yeah, that type of topic. Um, and I've also read a little bit about your, you know, your own personal story as well. Um, so it's pretty interesting stuff. What got you interested in this? What makes you, I mean, do you, do you believe in this idea of reincarnation and soul groups and, and you know, um, the idea that the soul is on its evolutionary journey? I believe all of that. Yes. Um, I became involved. I had some losses in my life um, that led me to, you know, just being interested in the idea of whether the soul continues. And um, I had a couple experiences on my own that made me feel like, you know, my like I lost my sister back when I was in my 30s. And I had this extremely, um, you know, dr- this dream that was really like it was happening. Um, she was, she came in and I saw her walking in um I could see myself in the bed. I had the, you know, the 360 kind of vision and I saw her come walking in with two people behind her. I could only see their outlines and, um, but I could see her very clearly and she came and sat next to me on the bed and we had a, a real conversation about, you know, she left two kids here when she passed and we talked about them and we just had this very meaningful conversation. And then when, uh, before she left, she said she was going to need to be sort of stepping away for a while, but she wanted me to know she'd be back. She had to go on to, you know, another place. I don't know exactly what that meant, but she had to go somewhere for um, almost like an educational thing. And then she would be back. And she got up from the bed. She was holding my hand. I could feel it. And then she stood up and she just walked through the wall, you know, that led to the outside. And her two friends behind her followed her out. Um, That was an experience for me that made me feel like she was still around and she was able to um, communicate. Um, that was one of the many experiences that I had. But, you know, um, my husband and I sort of started this journey on learning how to communicate with spirit um, after visiting um, a spiritualist church. And, um, and in those services, they have mediums there who will um, bring messages to the people who are in attendance and we received some really great messages. Um, and we start, you know, from, you know, specific names, people who are in spirit. And, you know, um, it really convinced convinced us this was a thing. Um, and then the really big thing that made us pursue it more um, assertively was um, we went to a, a table tipping um, one night. I don't know. Have you, have you ever experienced that, Gary? A table tipping? No, I haven't. Yeah, so it's a it's a physical form of mediumship. We were invited to come. It was at the spiritualist church, and um, what it is is there's these small like pedestal tables, like mm-hmm. just maybe a twenty inch table with a little pedestal in the middle. And um, you know, we really didn't know what to think. It was something we had just you know we were invited to it, and we came. And there were probably twenty or thirty people there at the church, and we broke into small groups of like four people around a table. And we were lucky enough to have the pastor join our table because she's a very good medium. So she was able to pick up on things um, as she was sitting with us. But what happens is uh, the people who are there, you know, you put your hands on the table really lightly 
and you are sitting with, you know, intention of communicating with people in the spirit world. And if you make a connection, the table starts to vibrate a little and then it starts to move and eventually it will rock. And uh, what happened with us is the table, you know, for lack of a better way of explaining it, it walked over to me and landed mm. on my lap. Wow. And it's, yeah, wow. it was, a, that's it. That's Phys- the word. Physical mediumship is pretty rare. Yeah, it is. Um, that is, that really blew my mind, you know. So when that happened, um, the table didn't want to leave my lap. It kept being right there. And um, I had lost a friend. It was a guy that I, you know, was really close to when I was a teenager in my early 20s. And uh, he had died unexpectedly. And right before he died, like three days before he died, we had this long conversation. And, uh, you know, it, his, his death really shook me. And I thought it was him. And that was coming through this table. And um, so eventually, you know, we took the table, we moved it back up, put it flat. Mm-hmm. And the pastor there told us, you know, if you we can ask it questions and have it spell out answers. So um, that's, you know, it's like if it rocks once, it's an A. And right. it's not a perfect system, but it's pretty good. You can get a message through. And um, this was my friend coming through. And he spelled out his name. And he, you know, was spelling out messages. It's a, it's, it's a, you know, kind of a tedious, longer process, but I was just, I couldn't believe it. We walked out of there that night and we just got in the car and we looked at each other and we're just like, wow, like the universe is not what I thought it was. It was one of those moments where you realize, oh, it's just not just this physical world, you know, that we're in, that we, you know, day to day. Um, it was having this understanding that, there, these people that we know and love that have passed over, they still exist. And if there are ways to connect with them and it just, you know, it was so inspiring, you know, and, and so I started reading up on it. How do I do this? Like, you know, and, uh, the big thing for opening up a channel, um, or opening a third eye, however, <clears throat> it works best for the medium is meditation. Mm-hmm. So I started meditating a lot. I was very intense about this and to the point that when my third eye started to open um, and when I say that I knew my third eye was opening when I began to see spirit lights in the house and I would see um, I began to see auras and also I saw um, a few times during the night when I was sleeping I, I got up to use the bathroom and I noticed there was an outline of someone standing right at the end of my bed and it sounds terrifying, but it wasn't. It was, I think maybe, a, you know, when you're sleeping, you're a little bit like in between worlds anyway. And I was just kind of, it was felt very natural to me. I just sort of acknowledged them like, oh, okay. Like I knew, understood it was protection. Um, but those kinds of things were happening. And my third eye, like right where my third eye is, I developed this little, um, like, it's like um, a bump on my head. Mm. And it was there for you know, a couple months or something, it was really there. And I thought, you know, I, it has to be from that. And it just eventually passed. But uh, that was really the beginning of our journey. Wow. So now do you see or communicate with spirits all the time? Or do you only do it like when you want to? What is it like? I only do it when I want to. Now I got a little too immersed um, in the beginning, I felt like I was one foot in one world and one foot in the other. Mm-hmm. And so um, I became clairaudient. Um, so I was hearing things, hearing, you know, different messages. And then um, with lots of practice, you know, we ended up, um, again, it was my husband and I always just the two of us doing this. And, you know, we would meditate. We would invite our friends and family, our spirit guides you know, and really took it very serious. It was, it's a sacred thing to us. It's not something we took lightly. Um, but you know, we did it a lot and I got better at it. And I found even when I tried to communicate without him there, even now it's, it's not as, it's almost like he's the grounding force for me. Mm -hmm. So the two of us kind of work together. And, um, yeah, I was communicating so much that I, I was driving down the road one day and somebody said to me, watch, there's a hole in the road. I heard this coming up and I was like, 
this is it, it, which was good to know. And I detour, got around the thing, but I thought this is too much. Like I can't be driving my car. And I, I just felt like, um, you know, being in two worlds at once, I kind of withdrew for a while, took some space, and then I came back into it um, with a little bit more moderation. And that's just how I prefer it. Uh, because I got to a point where I could, um, I could channel. So I can, so if I align with the spirit with intention, it's always, it doesn't just so, you know, I don't want it to be, you know, frightening to anybody. It's not like it's suddenly going to happen to me. I'm walking through my life. It always is my intention, my will. So I'll sit down and, um, again, with my husband, he'll be sitting there and I'll say, you know, I'll do a little meditation and try to get myself aligned. And I usually feel the person slide in. I feel this connection where they're coming through. And then um, they'll begin to speak through my mouth. Mm. So, so it's more of a direct channeling. And when that started for us, uh, my husband was writing, 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 taking notebooks full of information. And, you know, I'm never comfortable with the with the recording. I don't know why. It's I'm I'm self-conscious, I guess. It's just it's a strange thing to see or to experience, but um you know, it just it, it was changing the way we saw everything. And I noticed that I just had so much less fear about dying and even about just living my life the way I wanted to live my life. I was um a practicing attorney when this happened to me. And I wasn't loving it. It was a lot of stress and it was, you know, very time consuming, kept me from my kids a lot. And, uh, you know, we made this decision together, you know, my partner and I were like, okay, this is not what I should be doing. And I really wanted to write a book. I was already writing on the side and, um, I wanted to write a book about the experiences that I had, uh, because it made me feel just so much more secure in my life and free. And I wanted to be able to pass on that information. Um, and so I wrote it as a story. And that's what, um, before we were born, you know, is, is where it came from. Um, I wrote, wrote down the things I wanted to talk about. Uh, we, we talked a lot about reincarnation during these, um, during these communications. And primarily, it was more about soul continuity. It was more for the purpose of that than it was for who was I in this last life? You know, where am I going from? It was more, look, you've, you've been here. This is not new and you're going to continue. It's just the idea of the um, eternalness of the soul and the fact that, you know, we're, it is it is this journey and, you're, you know, you're not just who you think you are. They would always say to me, you're so much bigger than you think you are. You know, and and I didn't understand it for a long time, but um, as I began to grasp it, I thought this is something I wanted to share. Hmm. So, a whole bunch of questions came to mind. Like one is like, um, you know, what? How did you develop the skill to be able to do the mediumship? Um, you know, when when you're like these souls that you, the people that you talk to, you know, like. I don't know, like why? Why do we take on a physical form anyway, and then still have the ability to talk to these people, or and beings? And um, let's just start with those two questions. I had another one, but I just kind of forgot it. Yeah, that's okay. I'll probably come back. Um, so I developed this. Like I said, I'm kind of this. You know, like I said, I was an attorney. I, I went to law school when my daughter was five. I was a single mom at the time, and. That gives you an idea. It just, if I take something on, I'm kind of a little obsessive about it, I guess. So that's what happened with this. So um, in the beginning, I think I probably opened up a little too quickly and was overwhelmed with it all. But I, I opened up after I was able to take a step back and make a, a division, you know, between me and the spirit world. I felt that I had to because I was feeling you know, um, people wanting to talk to me while I was sleeping and I was getting nervous by it. I didn't know who they were because I wasn't, you know, I hadn't set my attention intention for that. Um, so I had to draw these lines. Um, but eventually it just became kind of a slow process. Like it was over years that I learned to 
you know, I'd start hearing a phrase in my head. And, you know, that's how I, my clear audience began, you know, and then during, we'd sit down together. And, and in the beginning, we used a table. I bought a small table that we could use for tipping. And they would give me, you know, confirmation if I was like, okay, I think I'm hearing this, you know. And so they were really working with me and teaching me how to do this. And when I was off, I'd know that too. Um, so it was a it was a slow process. Um, you know, <clears throat> I had so many experiences, but it's hard to encapsulate it all. But, um, you know, for me, it's, you know, why do I have this? It's really... It's helped me just to have a greater understanding of who I am. And I think that, um, you know, we, we have, you know, we've all been here before. This is nothing unique to me. I'm not, I'm certainly not the only person with this kind of gift. It's just something I pursued. And I think, um, you know, many people are having various experiences with it, but, um, it helps me to feel, uh, you know, when I need to connect, I can connect with someone and I feel like it's it, the perspective in my life shifts immediately because I can be walking down a wrong path for, you know, a few weeks and just feeling kind of lousy about things or whatever. And as soon as I sit down and I, I talk to them, it makes me feel aligned. It helps me feel aligned with spirit, which to me is all of it is coming from, you know, whatever, you know, you want to call God or the God force or, you know, great spirit. And to me, it's that. And I think that's the point in me doing it, is to be connected, more connected in my daily life. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Because I think when you know that you're eternal, then you takes away that, that fear of living. And I think it makes room for us to be better people, not live yeah. in fear. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. It does. And also, when you're when you realize that there's literally... Like you are a piece of God. Like there is, there is a piece of this, this sacred thing called life, whatever that is. I'm not going to pretend to understand, you know, tell, that I understand God or anything, um, of that, you know, enormity, but, um, but I feel it, you know, and I know it because I feel it so strongly and it comes back to, you know, my gut mm. and my, you know, and my gut tells me this is all, this is, this is really who I am. I'm clothed in a physical body and I'm having these experiences that I chose to experience before I came here. But um, I'm still that. I'm still that sacred thing. And we all are, you know? And and so there's no, to me, there's no levels. There's no, it's just we're all having these experiences that at the same time that we remain sacred beings. And uh, the more you know that about yourself, the better you are able to deal with other people and animals and, and living things around you and as you know, treat them as a sacred thing as well. Do you think that this is the densest form of existence that we're in now? Or do you think it actually gets even more dense and heavier and more difficult? Wow, that's a really good question. To be honest, that you're the first person that asked me that. And I don't know if I I have a um, a real answer other than to say, as far as I know, you know, it is. Um, there are times when I am communicating when my I feel lighter. I can almost feel like I'm lifting. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that um, if I'm having trouble lining up for some reason, usually it's my brain because my brain doesn't get out of the way. Um, if I'm having trouble, I I I look for this particular. I create this vision in my mind that I saw once when I was channeling. And it was really just me, what I think in sort of the, in, in the next realm. And there's just this glittery white light everywhere around me. And I had this remembrance of looking down at my feet and just my bare feet and just feeling like this incredible lightness. And, um, when I'm trying to connect, I'll often return to that. I'll think about that. I'll remember. And when I'm able to do that, I, I feel lighter. You know, and then somebody steps right in and and the communication is better because when I'm not fully aligned, I'll get like a very um, it's almost like a jagged kind of communication. The sentences are, you know, repeating themselves and they're um, I'll get a part of a phrase and then it feels almost like I'm stuttering, you know, so 
my alignment is at the really at the middle of how well I'm able to communicate on a given day. So do you think that these type of practices, um, you know, like, like say like, you know, being a spiritualist versus a conventional religious type of view, um, you know, what is the difference there? Like, like, I, like one of the differences, obviously, I think, is that through a spiritualist experience, you're actually having an experience and not relying on somebody else to provide you that information so it becomes more personal, rather than a religious view where you have to listen to somebody else and obey their rules. Yeah, that's a big one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, so I was raised Catholic. Me too. And, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Ah, I'm a recovering Catholic. How about you? I don't yeah. know if I'm recovering. Like, like I know that the programming is there. So I, I think sometimes like when you go back to childhood and try to undo that programming, it can kind of fracture your personality a little bit. So I kind yeah. of accept that it's there and yeah. just keep moving forward. That's interesting. I like that. I, I, um, I have struggled with it a bit because of my mediumship. And I felt like, you know, there was a point when I first started um, channeling and I got anxious about it, and I called not the regular spiritualist um, pastor that I know and love very much. Um, there was another person that um, I believe she was a channeler as well, and I called her and I asked her about it. I said, "Why is it so easy for me to access this?" Is you know, and she said, "Well, you might be, you might be possessed." She said, and I was like, "Good God!" <laughs> <laughs> and it, for a day or two or a week, I'm not sure, but it scared me. And I thought, well, hey, this is stuff I heard about when I was a kid, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, have I stepped into something I shouldn't have? And it went into this dark place, and I got really frightened by it all. And, you know, that is still in me. It was triggered, you know. And and uh, so, yeah, that's all there. But for me, the difference is I need to follow what I feel to be right. Which is, you know, we were talking about a, a few minutes ago about remembering that, you know, I'm more than this body and everybody else here is too. No one's better. No mm -hmm. one's worse. We're all these beings that are, you know, come from a sacred source. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I see the universe. And I think it would be if somebody tried to force an idea into my mind that it was something other than that. Mm -hmm. I don't think I could accept it because I, because it comes from, you know, what my intuition. Hmm. Fascinating. One of the other things that I had read about you was that you are in recovery. And, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if you go to 12 step programs, but they're ridiculously Christian. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. like, 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 and sometimes, like, you know, if you go to those places, you share something like what we're talking about, people will look at you like you have three heads. Do you have you ever had that experience? Yeah, um, I actually stepped out of that program. I, I give them credit for saving my life because in the beginning, I was 26 years old when I got sober. I was, I had a doctor say to me, if you don't get sober, you're not going to see 27. I was mm -hmm. in rough shape, I was very, very sick. And I was at that point in my life, I didn't have a spirituality. I had, um, you know, the idea of a higher power that I did believe in. I believed there was something there and that's all and probably remnants from my Catholic upbringing, you know? So, um, in the beginning, I even wore a cross around my neck. I remember when I was newly, so newly sober, I thought mm -hmm. this is who I am now because this is like, I know this connection to God is going to keep me from drinking. And it's, it's interesting to me to look back on because my, my spiritual path went a whole different direction, as you can see. But, um, if I hadn't gotten sober, I wouldn't have done any of these things. You know, that was like the, so I have to give that credit. You know, I left the, the rehab. I went into, um, you know, an AA program for, um, you know, a, a number of years. And then I started thinking everything I'm here, there's a, there's a saying in the program of, you know, there's no such thing as an original thought mm -hmm. and everybody's churning the same thing. And I thought, this is just not for me. I can't fit here anymore. I can't come here and feel like 
anyone here is going to understand what I say when I know there is original thought and I'm going in that direction. And, you know, it's, you know, that's how it happened. And then, you know, a couple of years after I got sober, I started having some um, um, past life dreams. And I honestly think I was blocking my channel with alcohol. And, you know, when I was younger, I did a lot of drugs. I was like a really wild kid, you know, and, you know, I made it through. I survived mm -hmm. it. Um, but I think I, I think I suppressed my own, um, you know, abilities. Sure. Yeah, I, I think people who are more sensitive are, will, will try to cover that up just to fit into society and feel okay and to feel normal. And I think that's part of what causes addiction, actually. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. I do. And I, and I had a lot of anxiety as a kid, and I was very interested in occult things. Like, I remember being a little girl. I was a big reader. And I remember being little and just picking up books that were on, you know, witchcraft or, or paranormal. I didn't. I just wanted to know what it was. I was mm -hmm. just curious, you know. And not that I practiced any of it, but I was curious. I'm like, there's more out there, you know, than Christianity. Interesting. Yeah, I've had that also a, a similar type of experience too. Well, one of the things I also noticed too is, you know, as far as the twelve step program goes, not to bash it, but they leave things out. You know, I mean, Bill W. himself was a mystic in a weird way. He had a spiritual experience. He he lost connection yes. with it. Then he started holding seances and getting into things like mediumship to try to reconnect. Even went as far as doing hallucinogenics to try to get himself. Huh. back to where he came from but all that was sort of taken out of the literature. i didn't know that yeah That's yeah in fact there's another there's a book out there called maps of consciousness i forget the author's okay. name but it's called maps of a map of consciousness and this guy was a, a colleague of bill w huh. and the whole book is like this entire mystical sort of side of what he was thinking wow it's, it's weird Oh, that is really cool. I knew about, you know, his, you know, spiritual experience that, you know, the vision that he had. Mm -hmm. And I really was pulled by that, too, when learning about that when I was getting sober. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so how about your past lives? Like, tell you, Do you remember any of them? Can you share some of them? And if you can, like, what were some of the lessons that you've had to learn? Well, I can tell you, um, I don't know a ton about it, but I have mostly glimpses. Um, I'll tell you first, because we were talking about, um, you know, when I was first getting sober and, and I started having these, have you ever had these sort of in between wakefulness and dreams, this state where you're kind of, you know, you're just about asleep and you have like a flash of something. I try to spend as much time as I can in that state. <laughs> That's a good place to be. Yeah. Well, when I was there, I was, um, I was seeing, uh, I, I had this dream, uh, multiple times and it was, I'm up sort of in the sky looking down on this scene and it's this two people, this, a woman and a man driving in a car. And I know that I'm the woman and <clears throat> I can see the back roads even now talking to you. It was like this old back, you know, dirt road. Um, I think it was in the south, and it was um, I can in the background I can hear music from a parade, and I know it's the Fourth of July. I know that's when it was, and we're driving down the road, no problems or anything, you know, no arguing, nothing. We're just having this drive, but I have the understanding. Oh, this is where I pass. I know I'm gonna like I, I it, it it frightened me when I first first had that dream because mm -hmm. I was like. I'm dying in that dream. And it was almost like, yeah, it was right. Like I'm seeing the moment right before, like the car must've crashed and I died, you know? So that one was a repetitive thing. And I really think that one was just to wake me up, you know, to say, here you are. Yeah. You're sober now. Come on, start, come, come with us a little bit here. And, um, this is a glimpse of, of something to show you that you're more than you were, that you are right now in this lifetime. Hmm. So what type of lessons do you think we're here to learn? Do you think we're all here to learn the same lesson? Do you think that we learn personal lessons and we learn lessons as a collective? How do you think it all works? 
I kind of think it is both. Um, for me, I think it's just, you know, I think it's trying to get to the point where we're more like we're able to interact more like our creator, more like that love force. Because to me, that's what God is. You know, it's a great spirit is really just love and support. And uh, I think it's that. And I think on a daily basis, we get an opportunity to show to show who we are, you know, and who we want to be by so many things that we do, you know, and they can be really tiny things. They can be, you know, you see somebody drop a bag full of groceries and you go over to help them out. Small things about putting, um, putting, you know, love first, you know, and how, how would you want to, you know, treat someone else? Golden rule. A lot of it comes back to the golden rule, just becoming the best version of ourselves that we can be. I kind of like half on that one because like, what happens with me, though, is I, I, I can see that from, like, this personal point of view. But then when I look at the world and I see how much pain and suffering there is, mm-hmm. that's where I kind of get, like, you know, I understand that we're here to grow. But but why are we – I mean, we got people making money selling weapons and, you know, basically be profiting off of suffering and death. And even those people, their lives are temporary. So it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I'm not sure they came here with that intention. You know, I, I think we we set some intentions before we come here, but there's always free will. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think we travel with partners. I think we travel with family. And I think our spirit guides and we, it's a big deal getting ready to come here to be born in the physical world. It's I think it takes a lot of um, collaboration to work out a plan to make it so that, you know, the things that you really want in that life are able to, um, you know, happen for you, unfold for you. Mm-hmm. And I think we have opportunities. I think there are opportunities we take and there's opportunities we miss, you know, when we walk by and then something else will come up. Um, I do think we have lots of opportunities to learn to be better, to do better. And I think some people, maybe they just come here and their self-will just takes over and they, they're not in touch with their spiritual selves, and they are um, seeing it as a, hey, you know, um, you only live once kind of thing, and just, you know, that's that's going to be on them. I mean, and I, I don't believe in, you know, hell or judgment like that. I just, I mean it is in terms of how you choose to live your life. You're going to come back later. There's going to be a point when you look back, and you're going to know, I stayed on my spirit path. Or these are the places I didn't, because no one's going to stay on their spirit path the whole time. Because you said, like you said, I mean, it's a dark world in some ways, and it's a complicated world. Sometimes we're going to step in the wrong direction, but there's opportunities to come back on. Do you remember what it was like between lives? I can't say that, although I have seen, well, in a way, yes. So, so, um, so, so my book, Before We Were Born, is um, it opens up in the spirit world. And it's two people contemplating being born. And so it's these two spirits. And I, I made this a romantic story, Gary. For the sake of the story, I thought this is something that I can really convey this message um, properly in this regard. But I don't think soulmates are only romantic. I'm sure that they're they're, they're well beyond that. But... In this story, that's what it is. And it's these two people and the, the, um, the, the female, um, wants to be born again here because she, her mom from another life is here. And so she really is quite intent on doing this. And her partner really doesn't want to, but he follows her and he chooses a mom just because she lives close to the place where his partner is going to be born. And the woman is, um, a alcoholic and a drug addict and, he has consequences like crazy to deal with because he's born with fetal alcohol syndrome. And um, he's just always a step behind his partner who's born to this wonderful family and has opportunities. And, you know, um, but I have them, the way I describe the world that they leave is, um, is their white garden where they live in the spirit world. And I did that on purpose. There are, there are flashes of my life and my experiences all through this book. And one of them is that, because that's what I, I have been able to see 
little, you know, visions of life in this other world. And one thing that I saw very clearly was this garden. And it was, um, it was a, a round stone wall and quite large. And inside it, there were various plants and flowers and trees and everything was white. All the flowers were white. And I asked, I said, why is everything like this? I asked one of my guides, is everything white in heaven? And the person, you can almost feel a vibration of laughter sometimes when they're speaking mm-hmm. to you. And I knew they were laughing. And and the, the answer I got was, um, it's because because you love white. You you created this. We didn't create this. You made this, you know. And so that's how I brought that into my book because it really is a personal part of like what I've been able to see. It's a little, there was this little cottage and this little door. And I remember like looking around and there's like, you know, flickering candles and there's flowers inside and it's very simple life, but just beautiful. And I know that's part of my, my heaven, so to speak. Um. Do you think that, do you think there's a point where we stop reincarnating? And if so, what happens then? Do you, we merge back to one with our, with God or universe? I honestly don't know, Gary. I haven't learned that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I can, you know, comment on that. I've only heard, you know, this is not, I know I'll be, I'll be coming back. So if it's about how much we have to learn or whatever, you know, that is, um, I'm not there yet. I'm sure there are souls on this earth who are, if that's a thing where, you know, there's this pure, um, you know, merger, like you said. Um, yeah, I just, I haven't been there. Have you ever met anybody who you're like, you know, they're so centered and so spiritual or whatever that you, you know, that they think they've reached that point? Do you mean on the earth plane or have I met anybody? Yeah. Oh, or either actually. Yeah. I don't know that I have on the earth plane. I don't know if I have, but I have, um, once in a while when we're channeling, we'll have teachers kind of like step down. Mm -hmm. It feels like they're coming from a, they're coming from a higher place. It doesn't feel as much like peers. Do you know what I mean? So. You know, like the friend that I told you about that um, passed and I was so devastated and I went to the church and all that. He's he's very easy for me to channel. He's very familiar to me. He was my my friend you know, growing up. And and I, I can recognize him when I come in. People come in in different ways, by the way. It's like it's very interesting. Um, my husband's a musician. I'm going off here for a second, but I'll get back to the question. And he lost a friend, a musician friend in a car accident. And um, the guy's name is Bobby. And whenever Bobby comes in, if we have the table out, he'll make the he'll make the table move in such a way that it's like a drum beat. I mean, it's just it's very like personalized the way people. There's still that personality isn't gone. Um, but back to the teacher thing, when it's a teacher that comes in, it's somebody that first of all, I am truly an instrument. I just kind of they just come through so easily. It's almost like it's not as much my ability to align as it is. Okay. We're here for a visit here and we're going to, and they give us, it's almost like um, a talk. It's not like we're asking, Hey, what about this? What about that? They just will talk for maybe 20 minutes. And it's always like, Oh my God. At the end, it's like, Whoa. And it really is just perspective that they speak. They tell us things that make us feel like, Wow, like I, it changes the way I'll go forward, you know, that day, that week, that month, whatever, you know, because it's, it's such clarity. And, um, I, like I said, I have very little to do with it. I don't think it has much to do with my body as a channel, as it is, you know, they're just, they're stepping down and giving us some, some info that will help. Can you give me an example of like what type of perspective they've had you changed and how it's affected your life? Uh, you know, I think when I think back of it, I wish I could come up with some specific things. If my husband were here, he would. He always tells me, you got to record this. You know, <laughs> I never do. Um, but he writes some of it down. Um, but 
if we're struggling in any way, you know, for like a just day to day thing, um, we own a business, for example, something like that. There's something they always come in and they're just like, you know, reminding us like this is not your life. Like this day, that's not really you. That's all going to align. Don't worry about it. All is fine. Everything's unfolding as it should be. You know, they're very supportive in that regard. There's a, there's a lot of um, encouragement and just keep, you know, just doing the best you can. You know, like I, I had a guide tell me early on when I, back when I was in that um, phase where I was, you know, sort of over communing with them and I got, you know, a little bit caught up in it and had to step back. Um, I had him say to me because I was so worried that what I was doing was a sin or that it was somehow wrong against God. Because, and again, I think it was the Catholic religion. It was just coming out in me. And I, I just was wanted to make sure that I wasn't doing something that went against God in any way. And this, this guide started talking to me. It was before I was laying in bed, ready to go to sleep. And sometimes I would commune with them then and meditate a little. And he said, you know, there's really no such thing as sin. He said, just love everyone the best you can. And that was really like, that helped me a lot back then. It still helps me. That's a great message. You know, I almost figured that one out sort of like by logic. Like if, if God is the creator and he is all powerful and he gave us free will, then how could we possibly <laughs> go against God? Yeah. To me, that seems like impossible. It's, yeah. It doesn't even really make sense to me. I mean, I think what you can go against maybe is like, you know, maybe what your ego wants, but I don't think we can really go and create, you know, something that's not supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It was really just fear. I had a lot of fear. Um, I just it, These things started happening to me, and, and honestly, I was really quite taken aback by it. Because we had dipped our toe in something here and was like, good God, this is like happening, you know? And um, just things I had never considered that I'd be able to do. It wasn't my idea to be a channel, by the way. I, I thought, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to practice mediumship and I'm going to be a mental medium like the people I see at the church. And I'm going to see people. I'm going to go, oh, your sister's here. I thought that's what I was, where I was going. That's where I wanted to go. And I was um, at a healing um, class one day there, and this Native American guy who taught me a lot, he um, was doing a healing, yet he was showing me how to, like, he had his hands on my back, and he said, you are going to be a trance medium. And I said, no, I'm not. And he's like, you are a trance medium. This is opening in you. And that's basically how the channel, you know, when I first started, the, the trance stuff, I would, like, I would... I'm not comfortable dropping all the way my consciousness mm -hmm. and just giving up. I'm too much of a control freak to let someone completely come through. But, you know, like Edgar Casey, for example, would do that, just completely drop. He was a trance medium. And, and I just was too anxious about it. So I dropped part of the way. They would help me to sort of drop. And then these messages would go blah, 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 through my mouth, you know, come out fast. And um, I just had to find my own place of feeling good with it. But, it wasn't my intention to be that, but that's that's the way I was made, I guess. How do you like? You had mentioned earlier, like I asked about you know how you connect and then you know with meditation that you use. Um, but what like like I know like when I try to do these things, I usually do like a chakra meditation, you know, and try mm. to connect that way. Um, but I guess like if you're a trans medium, you're really you're going into a different state of consciousness. Mm -hmm. like how, how does it work? It, it sounds like it's di different than like what I know how to do. You know, it's them helping me do it. It's not me doing it. It's, mm -hmm. it's um, because I, it took me a while to understand all of this. Like, for instance, um, I don't do readings for people. Like I never, I don't, I've never charged money for doing readings, anything mm -hmm. like that. I don't, to me, it's, I can make money other ways. This is this is a sacred thing, and I know I understand that it was something that was trusted to me, and so I try to be, you know, respectful of that. But um, 
I went to, I went to my, uh, my sister and her friends were having a get together of a weekend down the Cape. And, and when one of her friends had lost her husband, she's like, would you come down and, and do the table with them? Cause I've done it with my sisters. And I said, sure. So I went down by myself without my husband there. And, um, we had some really good messages come through and, and one of the um, women unexpectedly in the group, her dad came through and, um, they had not had a great relationship and he had a lot to say. And so I stepped out of the way a little bit is the best way I can explain it. And he came through quickly and said some things to her he needed to say. And then afterward, I, you know, when I was done, I said, all right, guys, I'm going to go and, um, head back home. And I, I drove, I drove to a grocery store to pick some things up. And I realized when I was in the grocery store, like I'm not myself, like I'm still, I I was still dropped. My consciousness was not in the right place. So I was still just learning this stuff. But I, one of the things I realized is that I can't, you know, I have to give myself time to sort of come back to my regular state of consciousness, you know, before I go about the rest of my day, if I drop that far. Yeah, I've read, I've read about that happening where if you go too far into that state, like it's good to like, you know, eat a meal or something to just to bring you yeah. back. Have, like something that's physical. To bring us yes. back to our physical senses. Yeah, and yeah, and I think, yeah, I do eat afterward. But I don't always go that deep. That was back when I was really in the beginning of this, and I, I was trying to help. So if I think that there's a spirit that really – sometimes it's helping the spirit. It's not helping the person mm-hmm. here. Yeah. But this man on the other side had a lot of regret, and mm-hmm. he needed to tell his daughter that, you know, how badly he felt about everything. So I, I, I kind of allowed it. But I didn't understand that it would be an issue driving after. Now I know. I, I wouldn't do it, you know. But <laughs> So what role do spirit guides play in this? In in life in general or in the or just in the communication? Both. Okay. So um <laughs> I always ask, you know, when I start to do a communication, I always say you know, we're inviting our friends and our family, our guides and our teachers. And there is a guide who will be, um, you know, the gatekeeper who will decide which spirits get through and which don't. Sometimes if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm up, like if my chops are good, cause there are times when they're not, you know, when I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, meditating as much, things like that. But if they are and I sit down and I'm, you know, going to spend some time communicating. I'll start seeing tons of lights all over the room. And I know there are a lot, I'll be like, Oh, a lot of people here today, mm-hmm. you know, and the guides will make, and there's different guides, but I know that one of them will, um, you know, be the gatekeeper and make sure that extraneous people aren't coming in. And it's not necessarily people. Let me just brighten my thing here a little so I can see you. Uh, there you go. Um, it's not just, you know, like, oh, rogue people trying to get in. But sometimes it's like, okay, what is the most important thing? Not necessarily for me or the person I'm, I'm with, but for the person on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think guides help in lots of ways. I think they try to help us stay on that path that we chose before we got here. What is our spirit path going to be? And I think, um, you know, it gets tricky it's tricky being here and that's what I you know really want one of the things I really want to talk about in um in my book because they make big mistakes the two uh lead characters make a lot of mistakes and they're very human mistakes um and they they don't end up together the way they're supposed to and and you know things go awry and and at one point the guides are are trying to get through and they can't get through because um Jeremy who's you know in um in the physical world his name is jeremy in this lifetime he's an alcoholic and he's drinking and he's closed his channel and he's actually incredibly intuitive he's like one of these people that um if he if he weren't using alcohol and drugs he'd be able to be like in constant contact you know because he's just he comes with that gift and thankfully he, he is that kind of a soul that he's that advanced that he's able to do that because he also has you know um intellectual uh, disabilities because of his fetal alcohol syndrome. Mm. Uh, but 
you know, his guides are there trying, you know, whatever the situation is that we are in in life, there are people there trying to help us along. Angels? Do you know, I don't know much about angels. I one time had someone come in and, and said they were an angel, and it was around the time I finished writing my book. But um, the people that I mostly communicate with are, you know, I have a group of Native Americans who I've had other mediums say to me, oh, do you, you have a lot of Native American people around you. Are you Native American? I said, I'm not, but I once was. And and some of them are family from a, another life. They come through and they stay close to me. So a lot of them are, are those, those people, you know, and um, there's a personal connection. It's not random, you know, so I have known these people before. So my guide in this life was connected to me in a, in another life. Hmm. And I have, I actually have a, um, this, oh, this, this elderly man. Um, and he's got the, you know, the long braids and once in a while he'll come in and talk to me and he was my father in a different life. Interesting. Mm. How, How about, um, like, um, like extraterrestrial type of beings, any contact with them? No, although, you know, we saw, we have seen two different UFOs since we moved to the place we're at right now, Mm -hmm. which I've never seen in my life. And it's very interesting to me because one of the first podcasts I did, someone asked me like, well, how do you, how do you um, keep yourself from channeling um, ETs? And I was like, I never even thought about that. And he's like, yeah, that's what happens to me. He's like, a lot of times I have the ETs come in. I'm like, well, I, I don't know. Perhaps I have and they haven't. I, you know, I, I, I honestly just don't know. But I've never seen one or some of the people I've spoken to have seen them come to them in their rooms and like things like that. And I'm like, that's opened my eyes up because I didn't, you know, have any knowledge about that. Right. Well, if you've seen UFOs, you know, that's sort of a sign that they're there, I believe. You know, I think all this stuff is connected. My own yeah. personal opinion, the extraterrestrials, consciousness, mediumship, the occult, it's all tied together. Yeah, I agree with that, Gary. I do. Um, you know, the things that we saw, we were just like, what is it, you know, kind of situation. But, um, you know, and then I, I, I did do uh an interview maybe a month ago with somebody who was talking about um, investigating um, claims of people seeing UFOs. And and she said that, um, you know, if you see one that is suddenly moves really fast, Mm -hmm. it's not the government because people are saying like a lot of these are government things that they're not sharing this with us, that they have these, these kinds of, um, you know, vehicles for lack of a better word, but, um, and one of the ones that we saw, that's exactly what happened. It just, shoo, you know, yeah. And the other time, as we were looking at it, it was sort of like a blimp shape. And we were looking at it, we're standing on the patio outside of our home here and looking up and going, what the heck is it? You know, and then it was almost like the whoever was in it saw us looking and the lights went out. It just completely went dark. It was just very strange, you know, and she said she mentioned that as well. So I thought, well, I guess we have seen them. They're out there. You can also call them with your consciousness. I've done that, too. It's pretty oh. So what did, was your experience with that? Um, I had a guest on uh, Preston Dennett, and I had mentioned to him that I never saw a UFO. And he's like, well, try this technique. And I went out in my backyard, and I would try it every night. And one night, I did it, and I saw a light moving across the sky. But it was going straight and kind of slow. So I was um, maybe it's a satellite, you know. And then all of a sudden, it just took off in a completely different direction. I was like, yep. It worked. Was, you know, and that, and that is, like you said, like that's one of the things that, you know, verifies whether it's a UFO if it has those type of characteristics. Yes. But what's is interesting is though that they work within our conscious framework. So yes. so to me that starts to make me think that even the reality that we're living in most likely is some type of holographic version of consciousness. Huh. God, it's all fascinating. 
Yeah, it's definitely strange. Yeah. Do, do, do you think, like, what do you think consciousness is? I don't know how to answer that question other than, I mean, I guess, I think it's like the, the, I think it's the spirit, the soul. I think that's the part that is eternal. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's just energy, though? Do you think it's thoughts? Like, do you think it just goes blank? Do you think it's information? I don't think it goes blank. I think it's the one thing that's that just, you know, in the near-death experiences. And um, I think it's the consciousness is what what continues. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the soul. When we talk about the soul, um, it's that. I think it's consciousness. It's the continuity of it. Mm. I don't think it's physical. I think it's the I think it's the truth of who we are. Is that consciousness, and I think that grows and changes with each incarnation. Interesting. How about? Um... Do you think it's possible for two people to share the same soul? I don't. I don't think that, you know, um, the idea of someone asked me recently about twin flames. I think two souls can can cross each other. I think we can um, mesh with each other. But I don't know why we'd want to you know, share the same soul. Hmm. I mean, I, I may be wrong. I just, like the idea of a twin flame is, from what I understand, is you aren't whole until you meet that other person. You know, and it's like two parts that come together and make a whole. Um, and and again, I mean, that's just my limited um, understanding of that, but I just think we're whole. I don't think we need another consciousness to be whole or another soul. I think we just... I think we are the entirety of it and we come here, but I think we're, when we meet certain people, there's, I think it's a remembrance. It's a record. It's a recollection of someone. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, I think all the things that we've been doing all this, you know, time to get closer to, um, you know, to be able to communicate or to be closer to this God force, <coughs> I think it's all recollection. I don't think it's new information. So as I'm being told things, sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, I have that sense of like, ah, that's right. Do you know what I mean? I that do. feeling comes like that. Yeah. How about oversouls? You ever hear the term of an oversoul? I've heard of the term, but um, what does what do you mean? It means that um, like our soul group is actually all sharing different pieces of the same soul. So we're so we're all fragments of this different soul, and then eventually we return to the oversoul, and then I guess eventually the oversoul returns back to God and brings back whatever it learned to the supreme consciousness. Yeah, I can't speak to it. I, I just I've not had any experience that said that. Although that was one of my first. It's interesting you say that. When I first got sober, that was kind of what I thought. I thought we were all pieces of the same whole mm-hmm. and that when we all came back together, that would be, you know, that's the completion, you know? Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, to me, I, maybe it's just because of the way I communicate, but it's always been, it's personal. It's like, there's people, it's, 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 you know, I can, I can feel the love of these different people when they're communicating with me and I can feel their personalities and I don't ever feel like no matter who they are. So I've had my mom and my dad come through and I've had, you know, um, people that have been really close to me in my life. And I don't ever get the sense of like, okay, I'm okay. Now that you're here, that I'm a part of you. I, I have an understanding that they're off doing their own thing in a different plane of existence and I think that they can even be doing that and be here with us at the same time. So I think the soul is capable, or consciousness, if you will, is capable of being more in more than one place than place than one at a time. Okay. So you kind of believe in like timelines that that, that there's different versions of you existing on different timelines all at the same time. 
I don't know if I'd say that. I don't know if it's about time, but I think once we're out of the body, we can exist in different um, different realms at the same time. So that you can be wherever your heaven is, or some place that you you know reside in between lifetimes. Uh, we've created that. You know, as far as I know, because I know, like I said to you about my little white garden and that, it's like I, I saw that and I that resonated with me. And there were things about it that I felt that I recollected. Um, <clears throat> but we can be there and we can also be communicating with someone here. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I kind of think like we were kind of like, because of quantum entanglement, in a weird way, we're kind of like everywhere at one time. Ah. Uh. See, it's really, you're a little beyond me there, Gary. My brain is not great. <laughs> what you're saying makes sense, and I, I just am like, I don't know if my brain can quite grab that, but it's a little tricky. I don't know if I quite grab it, but I can express it, you know. And I yeah. think that's how it is sometimes with certain things. I think there's things that I can, that that all of us, all humans, can kind of express things, sort of that we can't grasp. And I think also at the same time, there's things that we can understand, but not express. That's true. So it's, I don't know, I, I think we're sort of limited because of the dense environment that we live in. Yes, I agree with that. And the brain. <laughs> yeah. The brain is our best friend and our worst enemy. You know, because it, I mean, we couldn't do anything without it. But it also gets, for me, it gets in the way all the time because I'm, you know, I'm a little, I'm like overly analytical, you know, so I'll pick things apart instead of just going with the feeling of um, the soul knows, you know, mm -hmm. the soul knows when you allow, like you just said, we have an understanding, we can't express it, but your soul knows it. It's right. recognizing something as truth. Even if you can't give a lecture on it, you, you absorb it as truth. Yeah. Like the one thing I kind of know for sure, though, is that, you know, the ego, you know, which is what you're talking to now is like, obviously, my ego is not necessarily my true self or essence. Do you right. believe in something like that? I I do believe what you're I believe in that. I think um, it gets in our way. I think it gets built up as a sense of security in us mm -hmm. when we're praised for things. You know, we have this sort of that that part of our brain that develops. Um, I don't think it's the true essence of us. And I think, you know, even when we get to the other side, when we cross over, um, some of the things that we've done because of our ego, I think we're, we, our true self will under, understand that. And um, it's not a judgmental thing. Do you know what I mean? When you, Once you pass, it's right. not. It's like, oh, okay, I see why I made these choices, but mm -hmm. it's not, some choices come from the soul and some don't. Definitely. Um, so this has been a fantastic interview. Thank you for coming mm -hmm. on today to talk with me. And before we wrap it up, where is the best place for my listeners to find you and find your books? Um, okay. So, the book is called Before We Were Born. If you um, you can get that on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, it's in a bunch of bookstores too. But that's you know not knowing where everybody is listening from. That's probably the best thing. Um, my website is my name, which is Kathleen Reddy, which is R E A D Y uh, Diane D A Y A N dot com, and you can um, you can contact me there if you want to. I, there's an email through that website. Um, and there's a list of places to find the book there. All right. Well, I'll put a link to the Amazon page, and I'll also put a link to your website yeah. in those of this episode so my listeners can find you. Thank you uh, so much, Gary. It's really fun talking to you. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. Thank you for coming on. And just hang on for one moment while I play the outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He 
He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. by the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on film that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. If you loved what you listened to today, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable.